0: Well today we wrap up our Advent theme, Advent Conspiracy, with an eye toward Christmas Eve. And our service is on Christmas Eve and the theme, God's Conspiracy. As we wrap up Advent Conspiracy, let's do a little review. What is the Advent Conspiracy? The Advent Conspiracy is a plot. It's a plan to turn Christmas upside down. To turn Christmas from a season of stress and strain into a and and shopping and spending into a season of re-entry. Re-entry into the story, the revolutionary, world-changing, history-making, soul-satisfying story of Christmas. And and re-entry into the one who came to give us, as Kevin and Molly and Will and Brig were talking about the candle, the one who came to give us love and life and hope and joy and peace to our lives and to all of humankind. So how do we do that? How do we re-enter into the story? How do we re-enter toward the one who came to bring us those Christmas gifts every day of the year? It's very simple. The Advent Conspiracy. And the Advent Conspiracy is simple, but radical. Spend less, give more, worship fully. Spend less, give more, worship fully. So we talked about spend less and give more, maybe one less gift or 10 or 20% less, maybe a matching gift to give more, more of ourselves, our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, and not only our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, But our presence, just as God gave Himself His presence incarnationally, relationally, and generously in His Son Jesus, so we are called to give uh, incarnationally, relationally, and generously have our resources. Giving our resources to a mission a cause a project that will make a difference in the world. That's what Jesus would want from us as we celebrate His birthday. And so we've matched uh, uh, Projects and missions uh, in in our world today with that call. And we gathered Christmas gifts for the Crestwood Elementary School for kids in that school and families who are needy and who would not have much of a Christmas. But we together provided Christmas gifts, and they've been delivered and, uh, and, and, and given to families. Thank you to Kathy Mike for championing that effort. And then we had the Belize Orange Walk Food Pantry And those shelves are usually bare during COVID, and and so we gave. And uh, that money has been wired to there, thanks to Ted Cook. And the food has been purchased, and the food's going to be delivered Christmas week, this week, to families in need in Belize, Orange Walk. Thanks for giving. Elementary school, Belize, Hope Center in Latvia and the Nehemiah Center for Urban Leadership here in Madison, our missions of the month. Thanks for giving. Many of you have responded to the Hope Center gifts and also the Nehemiah Center for Urban Leadership here in Madison. So we give. We spend less, give more, and then thirdly, worship fully. What does that mean? As I talked about last week, we are invited to join with the old song, the song of creation, the song of the morning stars. We're invited to join with the old song and to join with the songs of Zechariah and the angels and Mary's song and anticipate singing the future song, the new song, talked about in the book of Revelation at the end of time, the song of Jesus, when. It's a song of redemption, a song of restoration and wholeness and shalom. A song when everything will be made right again, a time when that will happen. We sing the the anticipated future song. Worship fully. It's a conspiracy. Spend less, give more, worship fully. And then today, as we wrap up Advent, the fourth strategy of the Advent conspiracy, love all. Love all. Some of you uh, might not be familiar with this song. It's not as familiar of a Christmas song. It's called Love Came Down at Christmas. Here's the first verse. It says, love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign." So God came to us in his son Jesus as love, a love gift to humanity. Jesus leaving the glory and the splendor of heaven to come to be with us as a love gift, a demonstration of his love. And then verse 3 of Love Came Down at Christmas calls us to respond to his love by loving others. Love shall be our token love be yours, love be mine, love to God and all neighbors, love for plea and gift and sign, love all. So what does that mean? And uh, who are in the love all (laughs) who are in the love all well first of all jesus says love the least love the least included in the all is the least if you read the bible from cover to cover you will find that throughout the bible from from genesis to revelation you see god's heart coming through you see god's call for us to love the least the lowly, and the poor. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, God guarantees the Hebrew people his blessing if they will give generously to the poor. In Leviticus chapter 19, God instructs the Hebrew people to leave some produce in the field for the poor to glean. In Amos chapter 5, God says to the Hebrew people that he hates their religious ceremonies, he hates their solemn assemblies, and he refuses to to accept their offerings. Why? Because the Hebrew people are being unjust to the poor. In Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah the prophet foretells that the, the, the Messiah will come and preach good news to the poor. And in Matthew chapter 11, as we skip over to one reference in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 11, when a messenger comes from John the Baptist who is in prison. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. He's in prison, and John the Baptist sends a messenger to Jesus, and and, and the messenger says, Jesus, John the Baptist wants some assurance that you are indeed the Messiah. What assurance can I take back to him and tell him that, yes, you are indeed the Messiah? And Jesus simply quotes from Isaiah the prophet and says, go back and tell him what you see and hear. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are being cured. The deaf now hear. Dead are being raised. And the good news is being preached to the poor. To Jesus, those were the deciding marks Of the Messiah. Those acts demonstrate the nature and priorities of God. Loving the least, the lowly, the poor. And when we love the least, the lowly, and the poor, we are reflecting that the acts and the nature and the priorities of God. How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? In Matthew chapter 25, uh, Matthew, the gospel writer, uh, shares with us a, a parable that Jesus gave to the crowds. Jesus teaches the crowds that day that whatever we do for one of the least of these We do it for him. And and who are the least of these that Jesus was talking about in that parable? Well, specifically, Jesus says the least of these are those who are hungry and thirsty and sick and naked and in prison. And Jesus says, as you do it to the least of these, you are doing it to me. In other words, God takes our acts of love toward the least of these very Personally. And why wouldn't he? Jesus himself was poor. He had no earthly wealth, no riches. He was born not into a royal family, but a poor, struggling family. A peasant girl for a mom and a carpenter for a dad, an earthly dad. Scott Bessenecker, in his book, uh, The New Friars, The Emerging Movement Serving the World's Poor, writes, the very first statement Jesus ever voiced about his concern for the poor, oppressed, marginalized people, was when he cried as one of them. Eyes shut, mouth wide open, wailing, kicking. It was one of the most profound acts of solidarity with the poor he could make. When God voted with his birth, he voted for the poor nature priorities of God to love the least the lowly the poor and we as I alluded to before have chosen to serve the least to love the least through our mission and projects and causes that we've associated with the Advent conspiracy uh, the Ele- Christopher elementary school the belize food Food pantry in orange walk uh, hope center in latvia extended hands food pantry and also the nehemiah center for urban leadership making a difference here in our community thanks thanks for so many of you that have shared and given and if you're still wanting to share or give you can go on our website and you can check out all those different missions and you can pick one that suits you or you can also Uh, Send a check and put in the memo line. What of those places that you want to give to this Christmas? Love all. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) What does that mean? Love all means love the least. Love all also means love the lost. Love the lost. Love the spiritually lost. During his earthly ministry, Jesus had a habit of hanging around with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who, who were disconnected spiritually from reality and spiritual life. He had a habit of hanging around those people. And one example for this is, is recorded for us in Matthew chapter nine. And it's interesting because the religious people didn't like that about Jesus. They didn't like, they said, man, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you should be hanging out with us in the synagogues and in the in in, in temple. That's where you should be, that's where you belong, not on the street, not with those kind of people. So they, they didn't like Jesus. Uh, and they criticized and were very critical of him. This In Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, and you know, Matthew was apart from God, apart from Christ until he became a Christ follower, and so he had a lot of tax collector friends because Matthew was a tax collector, so he threw a party, kind of a Matthew party, and said, come on over and meet Jesus. So Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He's associating, he's getting too close. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's interesting, they asked his disciples why, Jesus said, I'll answer. You guys might not be ready to answer, but I know why I do, so I'll answer. And Jesus said this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Not the so-called righteous, but I've come to call sinners. In Luke chapter 15, Luke 15, Jesus uh, faces the religious leaders again, and they're grumbling about the fact that Jesus is associating with sinners. And how does Jesus respond in, in Luke chapter 15? He tells them three parables. He says, okay, let me tell you about three, three stories. And He tells them a parable about the lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son. And in each of those instances, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, something very valuable is missing. And there's great joy and celebration when what was valuable is found, whether it's the sheep, the coin, or the son. And then Jesus concludes his teaching of those three parables by saying, that's the, way, that's the way God, my Father, feels. That's the way I feel when someone who is lost is found. Someone who is lost and disconnected from the spiritual reality that is found in God is, is, it comes home and is found. And opens their heart and becomes a follower of Jesus, becomes a follower of mine. You might ask, okay, who are the spiritually lost? Have you ever a- asked that question? Who are the spiritually lost? The Spiritually lost are those who have not responded favorably to the mercy of God and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They've not responded favorably to the mercy of God and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Stay stay with me. They are trying to live their life on their own, trusting in their own goodness and righteousness and sense of morality for this life and trusting their own goodness, righteousness, and sense of morality for the next. And they have not recognized that they are sinful, that they're a sinner and in need of a Savior, and that the sin separates us from God. They've not recognized that. Maybe they've given some intellectual assent to God, or the concept of God, but they've not accepted personally and put their personal faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Have you? So then we are called to love the spiritually lost. I didn't say we are called to judge the spiritually lost. I I didn't say we're supposed to hold the spiritually lost to our own standard. We We are called to love the spiritually lost. You see, sometimes we do the opposite. We distance ourselves from the spiritually lost. We judge the spiritually lost. and We don't have anything to do with them. And we don't do ourselves, we don't do the church, or we don't do God a favor when we take that approach. Let's take the approach of Jesus. He loved all and he, he loved the spiritually lost. Do you love those in your family? Or among people in your neighborhood or your workplace who do not share your spiritual convictions? Do you love them? Jesus calls us to love all. Um, Does it mean we sacrifice our convictions? Does it mean we sacrifice, uh, water down our faith? Does it mean we sacrifice our understanding of God's word? Right? We don't want to sacrifice any of that. We, We are called to love. And then lastly, still with me? We're called to love the least and to love the lost. And then lastly, we're called to love those who we have a hard time loving. (laughs) Those who we have a hard time loving. Let's face it, there are some people who are just difficult to love. Let's be honest, right? We probably all have them in our lives. Some people who are just difficult to love and maybe it's because of their personality. Maybe it's because of their lifestyle. Maybe it's because of their political persuasion. And so we have a hard time loving them. But Jesus calls us to love those who are difficult to love. It might be somebody in your family. It might be one or more of your in-laws. It might be somebody at work or in an organization that you're a part of. It might be somebody that you're not looking forward to spending some time with at Christmas. And you you hope you find a different room than they're in. Right? We all have those people. It might be somebody that we find difficult to love. Somebody that has wronged you or hurt you, judged you, insulted you, spoken badly about you. Love means to forgive. Love means to let go. Where does forgiveness need to be extended this Christmas? Maybe you'll never make it all right. Because that might be an unrealistic goal, to make it all better, to make it all right. Maybe you'll never make it all right. But you can forgive and let go. Who do you need to forgive? Let me ask you a question. Um, it'll be on the screen. Are you an insult collector and grudge holder, or a forgiver and love giver? Are you an insult collector and grudge holder, or a forgiver and a love giver. Christmas is a time to love, to let go, and to not let it stick in your soul. One of the best gifts you could give someone this Christmas is to forgive them. One of the best gifts you could give yourself this Christmas is to forgive them. So give yourself a good gift. Gift of God and his forgiveness for you and extending his forgiveness to others. Don't let it continue to eat you up. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, do not let the root of bitterness spring up. Because if that root of bitterness springs up, it bears bad fruit. So root it out before it bats bear fruit. Bad fruit. And then in Ephesians, these words, uh, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Breaks God's heart. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Be, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as God generously, lavishly forgave you through his son Jesus, we are called to give generously forgiveness to others. Not to let it eat us up. Don't, but instead to let it go. Don't take it with you into the new year. 12 days till January 1st, six days until Christmas, let it go. Don't let it, don't let it linger. Don't let it stick in your soul any longer. See, friends, Christmas can change the world because Christmas is about love and love can change the world. Christmas is about God's love expressed in the person of Jesus and God's love expressed through us to others. Jesus calls us to to love the least, the lost, and those we have a hard time loving, to love all. It's the makings of a conspiracy. Let's pray. Gracious and mighty God, we thank you for your son Jesus who we celebrate this season. We thank you for coming to this earth, to being among us. Lord, we thank you for being an example for us of love incarnate love that has come down to be with us and i pray that you would give us the inspiration of your holy spirit the conviction of your word and the and your courage and power to love others perhaps like we've never loved before to maybe to get over ourselves to, to and to love the least and, and to love those who are who have different are different place spiritually and to so love the spiritually lost, so that so that we'd be an example of your love, they'd be drawn to your love and experience it for themselves and help us to, to love those we have a hard time loving. And Lord, we just we confess that we're gonna need your help on that, but you're ready to help us. Help us to do our part. And then I pray that you'd love through us this Christmas season. In Jesus' name.